Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 66, released on June 30th, 2010. My name is Steve Yunus, and joining me is my pal, Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Hey, Steve. Happy winter? Yeah, it's absolutely freezing here. Yeah, we get these two contrasting polar opposites now. It's 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 dying of I'm dying of sun here. I'm literally melting next to the microphone. <laughs> oh no! Well, uh, keep try to keep cool. I'll try to send you some cold air through the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of crazy. I, I know when I'm doing the uh, speeding bulletin videos, and I'm sitting here trying to advertise some of the clothing, you know, the t-shirts and things that people always ask me. Oh, where'd you get that t-shirt you're wearing in the video? And I just can't wear t-shirts at the moment because it's so cold. I've got my beanie on and, a, and you know, a, a, a fleece jacket thing and got a heater under the desk. And, uh, and in my videos, I'm trying to promote, uh, you know, clothing that uh, you guys in uh, the northern areas of the world would uh, would be wearing at this time of the year. Yeah, you kind of, kind of. It's it, it, during the winter. You got to wear, uh, got to wear ice cold stuff, and or got to wear. Um, oh, I'm getting it backwards. <laughs> during our winter, you've got to wear t-shirts, or, or you got to wear. Uh, yeah, jackets uh, and uh, fleecy lined hoodies, and during your winter, you've got to wear. Yeah, yeah. During hot, my winter, I got to wear the t-shirts for you guys, and in your winter, I've got to wear the the fleecy stuff to. When I'm boiling, I'll be advertising, trying to advertise the fleecy stuff there you, for you guys. There you go. I just yeah. I went Batman sixties. The sum of the angle of that isosceles are too monstrous to contemplate, Robin. You know, it's like <laughs> it was it's, too much for me. It's bizarro world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into our discussion topics before we lose all our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> before I lose my sanity, I mean. I <laughs> well, the big news obviously was uh, DC Comics going digital. About time, I tell you. Yeah, well, I uh, happened across the uh, DC Comics uh, iPhone and iPad, sorry, iPod and iPad, I guess that's all pretty much the same application. Uh, The night before it was announced, I just was kind of going through my phone, having a look at what apps were in the app store and, uh, you know, did a search for DC Comics and stuff like that and came across the the app for the iPhone and was uh, pretty impressed. It's, uh, It's a cool way of reading your comics. Quite, quite literally, uh, for gosh, five, ten years now, Beal Naley, my evil uh, twin brother from another dimension, has been reading um, illegal online comic scans because you know, like, I would never condone or advocate that kind of thing. Mm. And this is a way that the artists can make some money. I hope, you know, provided they're getting paid and not getting dinked over. But um, and it's also a way that this can be done legitimately. Um, it's also a reason for me to get an iPad, (laughs) but, uh, I, I saw the, uh, Marvel version and it was day one and it was really, it it was clean. It was crisp. It was good to check out. And, um, it was something that I, that I would gladly pop money into. And I, I'm wondering why they hadn't been exploiting it before now. It seems kind of odd, but hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the, the bad ramifications of this, the idea that local comic stores will have to close because then people don't you know, have a need for a direct market store anymore. Hopefully that won't be too big of an impact, but I have to say I love the convenience. Yeah, well, DC have kind of, um, and I'm not really up on the whole business, uh, you know, side of things with them, but uh, supposedly there is some kind of compensation for, uh, or affiliate thing for the uh, physical stores um, to, you know, so that they don't lose out. I'm not sure how that works or uh, how that's going to operate, but uh, they're very aware of the fact that uh, you know their physical stores 
uh, where their main source of income uh, is derived from. And so they'd be uh, stupid to do anything that would harm that source of income. Yeah, I bet you, you know, the, the, there's probably going to be some kind of way in the future where you can, uh, I don't know, like, I, I know that a lot of the, the business model of comics right now is kind of, kind of almost like extending credit. Like, you let your file build up at the comic book store, and then a month you come and clean it out, and that's essentially like them loaning you $50 so you can eventually come and get your comics when you can afford them. Mm-hmm. And it would be really neat, and I'm not saying that I do this, but I'm saying that Beale Maley, my evil twin, does this because it's really neat. You read a comic online or at least this evil hypothetical person does and then you let it build up in the file until you can save up your money you go you buy it from the shop you support the shop and yet you still get to stay on top of things and read things and if i had an application where i could pay four dollars once and get a hard copy and a digital copy i would probably read more titles honestly um and and it's also a good way to kind of get rid of clutter too in another sense because i've got you know, the 10 long boxes I've been thinking about getting rid of for years, not because I don't like the stories, but just because it takes up so much space. And if I could buy a whole run on and put it on, a, on an iPad, then I would have no need for that space anymore, but the artists would still be getting paid. So it's, it's kind of, it's got a lot of moral quandaries to it. Sure. It's uh, similar in ways to what people are doing with their music and their movies is that they'd much prefer to have a hard drive full of their movies or their music uh, rather than have all you know shelf space to have to store all these discs and and uh, packages you know boxes and and DVD covers with, yeah well and and half of the shops you know that I've talked to have been have been leaning more towards merchandise sales uh, you know like like HeroClix kind of stuff yeah on, on their HeroClix action figures graphic novel specialty items because the floppies have just been going down the tubes yeah. um be that for poor storytelling or be that for the economy or be that for whatever reason you want to credit that to a lot of them have been moving more into physical objects as opposed to floppies to begin with at least the ones that i've been talking to but that's just my local corner of the world i don't know how it's going nationwide yeah or even worldwide, but uh, it's interesting just getting away from the sales point of view and the physical point of view, reading on an iPhone, and I'm guessing it would be better on an iPad being a larger screen, was, uh, it was quite interesting because you can read it in a dynamic way where you just click on the right side of the screen and it goes from pay, part, like portion of the page to, to like, the, like panel to panel almost. So yeah, uh, it's well, kind of you know showing, moving the focus in the way the story should be read because sometimes really when you're reading a comic book, Sometimes the, the, the word balloons or the word, you know, whatever you call them and the thought balloons and all those kind of things don't necessarily, your eye doesn't necessarily go in the right direction and sometimes you read things out of order and that can be yeah. confusing. Yeah, well, there's, there's the, the Beale Maley told me about things called director's cut on the internet. You know, like sometimes scanners would take them and put them one panel at a time right. into what was called a director's cut. And they'd show, you know, one panel much larger, more emphasized, so you could look at the art closer yep. and so you could get a bang, bang shot feel, um, which doesn't give you the construction of a page, which is also another thing that I've been told is is almost more important than each individual panel sure. and that makes total sense but i like the idea of uh, that that at least on the ipad version i saw the marvel ones and i'm hoping dc implements this that you can get kind of like a one panel at a time shot like that or yeah. the idea of being able to make the art bigger so you can look at it closer yeah, well you can you can you can do either version you can either read it in a um you know just as a whole page uh, as it's supposed to be on say on paper 
or you can go through from panel to panel in a direction and it kind of slides and there's almost like motion from one panel to the next. So uh, See, that's just great. I don't know. I was I was reading a Leland Purvis story today, actually, of all things, where it was one panel at a time like that. Um, and, and I greatly admire his work for that because it's just one piece of story after another piece of story. And there's not, you know, as broad of a like the, the design of the page has something to be said for it. But there's also sure. something to be said for that image, 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 image and how it makes you feel. It's yeah. It's going to. Just bring new potentialities to the art form, I think. Yep. Okay, well, let's move away from talking about the digital side of things to uh, Superman comics in general, um, especially the fact that Superman number 700 was released uh, recently and uh, the big anniversary issue was, uh, you know, kind of a a collection of different short stories and, uh, you know, leading into what's about to come up with J. Michael Straczynski's Grounded Story um, and it gave us previews of... Uh, Paul Cornell's Action Comics Lex Luthor story, as well as Supergirl and uh, and Adventure Comics and Superboy. Yeah, we got uh, the first uh, little bit of Straczynski, and we got the kind of closure for the Robinsons, and, and we got another Jurgens story, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah that um, uh, it, Robin it, Superman story was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was more kind of more focused on Robin, but I didn't really mind. I, as the review will say, it will say I, uh, I basically... It, it made me feel like a kid again in a lot of good ways and not in that whole, oh, yeah, you know, we're reading a comic from the Silver Age kind of way, but yeah. more like in the um, in the kind of like it, it felt like I was having that excitement that I had when I was reading the Death of Superman era. Sure. Um, I don't know. It, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where Straczynski goes, and I can't really judge much of anything yet. Um, I did find, I don't know about you, it, it, I, I found that the uh, closure to the... Uh, to the Robinson stuff was kind of pretty much like the whole run. It was like random action scene, lots of splash pages, and not resolving any conflicts. You know, um, they, I, I was very upset by the Lois thing. I don't know if you're, you're keying in on that as much as I am, but like Lois just watched her dad get shot. You know, like shoot himself after practically destroying planet Earth. You know, and it's and it's dealt with in that scene as kind of the epilogue closure. Like I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and the whole thing with, like, Chris, that's really getting to me right now, actually. Chris has been put into the Phantom Zone, and they're using the fact that we know it's a comic against us. It's like, hey, you know what? We'll see him again someday. Wink! You know, they yeah. don't know that. Yeah. If this is being written as a proper story, Superman would be pounding on the wall of the Phantom Zone trying to get him out of there. And and you can use the same argument for mon I guess. It's like, why hasn't he jumped in after mon after all these years? Um... I, and I guess that's a valuable argument. Like, why doesn't he just pop everybody into the Phantom Zone if he's okay with using it? But it's more of, like, I guess it would be like if Lois were in the Phantom Zone versus the Parasite. Yeah, he'd want to save the Parasite, but Lois is Lois. It's his It's his wife, you know, and this yeah. is his kid, or at least that's how they portrayed it. You know, and and he'd be he'd be fighting like he'd be fighting heaven and earth to get in there. So that kind of bugged me a little bit. But yeah, I as guess, a whole, yeah. So I was oh. just going to say, I guess it's the 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 problem there is that the guys who wrote the War of the Superman, the creative teams who did that, really whether they intended to continue on afterwards or not, it's hard to say. But these new guys with Michael Straczynski and uh, Paul Cornell have obviously been brought on to tell their own stories, and it's probably hard for them. You can't blame them for not wanting to drag on the War of the Superman finale um, more the way we would probably like because of the fact that they've got their own stories to tell and this is not their 
their story that uh, they've, you know, they just want to finish it off and round it off as nicely and as neatly as they can without dragging it out. But uh, yeah. I think it's the I think the onus is on the guys who are writing the War of the Supermen oh. to have ended it correctly Absolutely. and uh, not done it in such a rushed, you know, twenty five minute four type, you know, one hundred minute war in twenty five minute increments. I, yeah, I, I agree totally, and I think that's what was most frustrating about the Robinson run was a lot of the wasted space, or a lot of the kind of, I don't know if I would say that it was just an attempt to be arty, because that's just dismissive, and I don't want to sound like that. I want to actually look at this from a valid point of criticism, and what I'm what I saw was he was given another 16 pages to wrap things up, and he just had Parasite and prankster chasing lois and then an excuse to throw superman and lois into bed you know he's done that with a couple of characters so far and to just poo-poo the major dilemmas that were raised by the stories that he brought about and i i I don't know i i I would see looking as a writer at it as as every single page being a chance to enhance the story a little bit more instead of just being like oh well it's over now um and yeah you're right we can't blame straczynski and, and and um and Cornell going forward on that. And and so I'm going to try and just completely put that out of my mind in terms of regarding their work. I, I do, however, see, I, I don't know if you're seeing the same feel, getting the same feeling I do, like with the action comics, Lex, Lex Luthor thing. And with Superboy getting his own title and with Superman and Supergirl breaking apart, it seems like they're kind of going to that place where they went when it was kind of uh Rucka and Azzarello and um, oh Chuck Austin, you know, it's like where everybody's going to be doing a different Superman. And I'm just hoping they interrelate because that was one of the, one thing, not one of the one things, one of the things, I should say, that, that the whole new Krypton got right is that all of the titles kind of interwove and kept storylines going through all of them, even if they went in, in, in different directions, you know? Yeah, I think what they're trying to do there is it's go, it goes in cycles, I guess. There's the people who say, oh, I love to collect all the Superman comics and I want them to be interconnected and I want to love the triangles numbering and you know i want to know from week to week that the story is continuing and then though there are those people who say look i can't afford to buy a superman comic every week i want to buy you know action comics or i want to buy superman and i want to be able to f- have my story continue uh in that title i don't want to have to buy supergirl and adventure comics to be able to follow the storyline you know i don't think that's fair and so i think they're going in cycles and and now it's that time for those people who say, I want to get into comics, but I can't afford to buy every single issue. And I'm not interested in buying every single character's story to be able to follow the storyline. So let me buy, say, Action Comics and Superman and not have to worry about picking up Supergirl and Superboy and Adventure Comics so that I can enjoy my comic book reading without having to uh, break my wallet open. Yep, I think I think it's valid for both sides, and I just wish that you know either way they'd tell good stories. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and again, I think it does come down to you know these guys. Maybe Paul Cornell and and JMS have come on board because they want to tell their own storyline and don't necessarily want to fit in with a larger uh, picture. They want to be able to tell their story chapter to chapter rather than having to share it like these guys in the Superman. War of the Superman had to. I don't know if you've read uh, One More Day, um, but or, or even the Spider-Man uh, uh, series that, that Straczynski did. Um, but it, it was something that uh, he started out in, in a lot of the same vein. There was a lot of good character work, and it and it was a, a, a good ongoing um, series. And I read every last one of them and enjoyed most of them for the because because he he had a very good subtle way with character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think that if that can be brought to Superman, 
it, that was that was the one thing about the Spider-Man issues that kind of put me off was not that Straczynski's writing, which was great, but the way that there was less cohesion, I guess, in the Spider-Man titles sure. until uh, until the other and until um, until they did the whole kind of pseudo death of Spider-Man thing that they did. I forget what it was called, but. Um, where he got new powers and that kind of went away, I guess. But um, it, it was at least compelling for the whole time, whether it was uh, something that you agreed with or not. And um, if he can bring that to Superman without the whole shared universe idea across the titles getting lost, it could be really, really great. Yeah, well, it's an interesting concept, uh, the grounded story, uh, him you know, basically uh, grounding himself and, uh, and deciding to you know, reconnect with the people um, of of america and walking across a, you know, a straight line across the country and it's an interesting idea for a contest with uh dc comics asking people who uh within i think it's a 50 com- uh, 50 mile radius of uh the line that uh, he'll be taking across the country if your uh hometown is within that area then uh, they're asking you to email in or write in uh why superman should uh come and visit your hometown and um you know it'll get written into the into the comic books i think it's a a fun way to interact with the fans i think so too uh now here's here's something this is not a criticism i share but it's a criticism i've read and i wanted to ask what you thought about it um the the idea that superman has been out of the suit for a year or two and now they're kind of grounding him um and a lot of people have been kind of judging the story before they see it because of that what do you think of that idea yeah well i'm sure along the way it's not going to just be him Going, you know, Forrest Gump like, just walking across the the, the city, the country, and um, and you know, doing nothing. I'm sure there'll be. I think from what I read, the parasite will be following him along the way, and you know, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of. There's going to be action. Superman's going to have to do what he does. Um, but it's the you know, and I'm, it's just the fact that he's. It's almost like a pilgrimage for him. You know, he he needs to reconnect with Earth, and you know, and and. Re- reconnect with the people of earth and the, and the people he's sworn to protect and uh this is the way that he sees uh you know the best way for him to do that and i think it's a it's it's something that hasn't really been done before and i don't see a problem with it i do however hope that clark kent features in some capacity because i miss the clark kent character yeah, I'm, and and I think that it's probably going. Well, I would hope that it kind of focuses on that human element of it, you know. And I think that um, I, I I get the the feeling that it's probably going to be like what Azarello tried to do, except yeah. for actually work, because it seems that that it it seems like uh, Straczynski's kind of getting the idea that you put him among the people, but that doesn't necessarily turn him into an emo kid, or at least I hope, Exactly. <laughs> you know, there, there was kind of a palpable sadness, but I'm hoping that the stories will, will emerge past that. Cause that kind of postmodern, I am Superman and I don't know if I can do what I do kind of thing worries me. Um, in terms of like enjoying the story, it, it's interesting as kind of like a collegiate analysis kind of thing. But <laughs> in terms of whether that can still be a Superman story, I don't know. It's been tried and it's failed miserably, and it's been tried and it's been really beautiful. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch and see. Yep, exactly. And uh, the Lex Luthor um, story in Action Comics looks interesting with uh, this whole Lexor. Uh, um, you know, Lex wanting to be. <laughs> don't get me started on Lexor. <laughs> but uh, it's told in you know it's it's I don't know it's just I think. Uh, you know, Lex Luthor is a character that uh, obviously you thoroughly enjoy reading about and would yeah, hope to yeah, one day write. So uh, it could be cool. 
Yeah, I actually like the idea of Flexor. I don't, you know, I'm getting tired of the same story being told over and over again, only more decompressed, but I, in comics in general, but I do, I have to say, I'm giggling at the idea of Lexor, and, yeah. and I've reading Superman Batman again because of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I was just going to say, clarify for people that that's the story being told in Superman Batman title at the moment, uh, written by Paul Levitz, but. Um, yeah, that's not what's happening in action comics with the Paul Cornell story. But, um, but uh, yeah, I was just reading the, the Superman Batman issue before we were recording this, and uh, it uh, it's it's quite an interesting story. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, <laughs> I'm eager. More Lex is good. Lex yeah. has just kind of sat by the sidelines and done pretty much next to nothing for years. And I thought they were going to get him doing something with Brainiac, and instead he just it was just. Four issues of Flash in the Pan, and he disappears again. It's like, no, so Cornell, do me right, and uh, <laughs> that sounded terrible. But and, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm enjoying the idea of Lexor, even if it could turn catastrophically bad. All right, now we have spoken about uh, Supergirl a little bit, and she's getting, uh, you know, again, moving away. She will probably be concentrating more on the new Krypton stuff um, than the other books uh, have so far, and uh, she'll... Uh, seem to be moving away from her Supergirl identity and just concentrating on her Linda Lang secret identity. So that seems interesting there. And uh, we've got Superboy getting his own new title in November, uh, but there's supposedly a bit of a sneak peek, a flash forward, if you like, in uh, an upcoming Action Comics uh, issue. Yeah. I think that uh, the whole idea of, of approaching the characters here as opposed to necessarily let's see how uh, crazy we can go with action can be done brilliantly. Yep. Okay, well, let's move away from the comics uh, for now and talk about Superman Batman Apocalypse, the next animated film from the uh, DC Universe. Uh, it will be a sequel in some ways to Superman Batman Public Enemies. Uh, and it will be a, uh, a retelling of the Jeff Loeb story that featured the introduction of Supergirl uh, to the Superman Batman comic books. This will be the first Dark Side in some time, won't it? Since like the uh, since the Justice, Justice League, League part Unlimited, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Dark Side is obviously a major villain of this uh, storyline, um, having in the comics abducted uh, Kara uh, to uh, Apocalypse. And um, and turning her evil, I guess. Well, and heck, it's the uh, probably the first movie Dark Side, isn't it? If well, I'm thinking yeah, about this right, the first, yeah, exactly, the first animated movie um, Dark Side, um, out, yeah, away from the from the TV uh, cartoons, yeah. Yeah, they might. Uh, you know, it won't be the first Black Kryptonite if they if you they use that story element, but that's kind of an interesting idea too, throwing that into the cartoon for the first time. Yeah, and we don't know exactly what the artwork will be as far as the design of the animation, but uh, if it's anything like the cover design of the DVD and Blu-ray disc, uh, it'll be uh, fantastic. Uh, but exact, you know, cover artwork isn't always indicative of of the style of the film itself. But we do know that um, the that the guys uh, who were the voices of Superman and Batman in uh, Superman Ma- Batman Public Enemies, which of course are Tim Daly and Kevin Conroy, will reprise the roles of Superman and Batman. But uh, Summer Glau, is that how you pronounce her name from Terminator: The Sarah Connor, sorry, Sarah Connor Chronicles? Yeah, I think uh, that's correct. Yeah, she will be voicing Supergirl. So that's uh, an interesting uh, casting decision there. So. Uh, We'll wait for that. Yeah, I can't wait, actually. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this one for the first, probably since the last Superman Batman one. This has been the one I want to see the most. Yeah, well, so. uh, Apocalypse will be released um, to Blu-ray and 
DVD. I'm just checking the uh, release date. It will be uh, September 28th. So um, look for that on D- DVD and Blu-ray disc. There'll be a obviously a single edition DVD and a double disc, it's special edition DVD, as well as the Blu-ray disc um, on in September. So look for that then, and obviously we'll be watching it and uh, doing reviews of it. So and there'll be more news, I'm sure, over the coming months leading up to Good September. Deal. Good deal. Okay, the other DVD that's uh, coming out is uh, the Smallville. The complete ninth season on DVD and Blu-ray disc, and that will be uh, September as well. I think it's early September from uh, from memory. Um, and uh, you had uh, a speeding bulletin recently about the cover of uh, of the Smallville ninth season DVD, um, and uh, the people's comments on that. Yeah, I got a couple of emails from that too. It's, there was a there, it caught a little bit of flack. You know, it's like there's there's a disassociative wall. That seems to be up there between people who really enjoy Smallville and people who have been enjoying Superman for some time. And I'm not saying that they're wrong for having their own point of view, and I'm not saying that their Superman is not the right Superman for them. Um, that seems to be what escapes people. Is like like me having a preference doesn't mean that theirs is invalidated. I yeah, guess exactly. But uh, but uh, th- that's really hard for a lot of people on the internet to understand. Um, but uh, a lot of it, it was the whole idea that, uh, you know, Smallville is its own thing, and that's okay. And for me, there, there's a real hard line that got drawn with last year's Season nines. you know, the whole Towers thing, which I've rehashed and rehashed, I guess, so I don't want to get into it too much. But um, even even the idea that a black-suited Superman running around in the shadows is something worthy of critique seems to send the hate mail spiraling. Um, it's like... <laughs> It, it, I, and, I, and I wonder how far they could take it in Smallville sometimes, thinking about that, looking at that cover for that season 90. You know, it's like, could they literally have him starting kill, start killing people wholesale? And then there'd be like a rabid group of people who were like, well, it's before he becomes Superman, so it's okay, mm. you know? Mm. Um, but on the same at the same time, it's still a major accomplishment to go nine seri- series and or seasons, and he's defining Superman for a generation. So you got to try and find the best with it and roll with it, I guess. Yep, now that will be released on september 7th uh and it should be noted that uh there was a image posted of a box set for seasons one to nine um and that will actually be a european release it won't be released in america uh or in canada or, or elsewhere i don't think it's a european release of seasons one to nine in one box set i'm sure that uh, warner brothers will release a complete 10th season box set uh, once the tenth season is all over, but uh, that'll be sometime down the track, obviously. But uh, yeah, so season nine, the uh, DVD and Blu-ray disc out September seventh, and uh, season ten starts filming July twelfth. I've read so uh, the season ten episode one, uh, we'll discuss that is called Lazarus, and uh, you had a few comments about Lazarus. What do you think it yeah. means? Well, I was, I was, uh, I think we were talking about it and it was, uh, a, a lot of the multiple meanings that it could potentially have, you know, coming back from the dead, bringing someone else back from the dead, Superman coming back from the dead. It also skirts that line that I've written a bunch of articles about where Superman takes kind of the Messiah, uh, position in the mythos and, and where that compa- comparison can sometimes be poignant and sometimes just be kind of a cheap go-to and it depends on how you look at it, you know? Yeah. I don't think it will have anything to do with the Lazarus serum that was in uh, the Adam Knight story from early seasons, do you? 
No, that require that that would require some continuity or some memory in the show. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, I definitely think it has something to do with the fact of you know we've seen at the end of season nine Clark falling to his apparent death with the blue kryptonite knife in his side and you know that Christ symbolism of him with his arms spread out in a crucifix type um, you know symbol. Uh, so I'm guessing that. The first season is about him somehow, you know, coming back from death in, in whether that's a symbolic thing or a literal thing uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, well, I, I and, and I hope it starts up with a bang and redeems the show. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know exactly when season 10 will premiere, but it's usually in September and uh, probably mid to late September by uh, going by previous season's uh, premiere. So, uh, but the season 9 DVD is out. Uh, September 7th, and I'm sure soon after that we will see the first episode of Season 10 of Smallville, the 10th and final season of the show, and uh, let's hope it's a good one. Absolutely. Okay, moving away from TV, movies, DVDs, comics, let's go into the 2010 Superman celebration where we saw the unveiling of the Noel Neal statue amongst other uh, great uh, events from 2010 uh what was the highlight for you having seen the reports and uh some of the videos so far i I think the best part of it out of all of them was definitely noel getting her statue i mean that's something that's been fought for for so long i I also like uh ronda and jamie you know i mean you can't beat that yeah they they've done a great job uh ronda and jamie as uh, lois and clark for the superman homepage have done a wonderful job Getting not just the, the you know the straight interviews or sorry the straight videos of you know what's happened that's easy anybody in the in attendance at the 2010 celebration with a digital camera of some kind can video you know the opening skit can op- can video the question and answer panels but uh, Rhonda and Jamie got into the crowd went amongst the people got uh, you know one on one interviews with with the average Superman fan who's made the trek from you know just up the road or across the country or across the world indeed. And um, that's really what uh, the Superman homepage has always been about, is being, you know, we're a fan thing. And so it's about, you know, getting amongst the fans. Absolutely. And and it's one of those things, like, every year they seem to have a new rotating crop of uh, interesting people who, who, who are there and, um, you know, like, stars-wise. And there's always something new and nuanced and different going on. And, and I, I can't wait to get back there and check out the Noel Neal statue. That's going to be a real highlight. Yeah, well, I've, I've, it's been five years in the making, uh, the Noel Neal statue, and uh, it's uh, very well-deserved. She's such a lovely lady, and uh, it was great to see that uh you know she was there to witness the unveiling and uh and be a part of that and be honored by that and uh she's a wonderful lady and uh you know you and I both met her and, and count her as amongst our friends and uh it couldn't have gone to a better person yeah absolutely and uh the superman homepage meet and greet this year was uh again uh, a success with uh, a number of our own staff members uh, making that the trek to the to Metropolis for the first time, Barry Fryman, uh, Adam DeShannel, and uh, Ralph Silver were all there for the first time from the Superman homepage, and uh, they got to meet some of our old friends and new friends and uh, have a, fa- a photo in front of the Superman statue, and uh, there was free T-shirts given away and, and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was great. And uh, again, you and I hope to get there again one year to uh, again to be part of another Superman homepage meet and greet with our fans. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, 
Yep, and they also, Ilya Salkind was another of the special guests in attendance this year, and uh, he spent a real good, uh, you know, good length of time with our uh, members, with our staff members uh, at the celebration. They were part of his uh, entourage in a way, and uh, Jamie and Rhonda got to interview him, which is uh, posted on the website on video, and uh, he seems like a really genuinely nice guy. Yeah, no, Ilya has actually been uh, goodly enough to uh, add me on, I believe it's Facebook, and, yeah. and he's, he's, he seems to be, have a genuine uh, relationship with the fans, and, and um, he talks to people a lot, and, and is very accessible from what I've heard. And, and I think he was at the uh, at a con I just went to recently, the Emerald City, right? Right, yep. Yeah, yeah, so he's getting out there, which is neat. Yeah, it's good. It's after so long, he hasn't really been a convention-type person, so it's uh, good to see him getting out and about. And uh, he has a... Um, uh, a movie project which he thinks is going to be an epic movie about uh, the, I think it's the Bonneville Snowman. Nice. Is it going to be like CG or is it going to be uh, like Good live question. action? Good question. I don't know, but uh, he thinks it will be an epic film, so we'll wait and see what uh, comes of that. Uh, obviously, also, Sam Witwer and Laura Vandervoort were uh, special guests at the 2010 Superman celebration, and uh, we'll see an upcoming uh, video of their question and answer panel for Smallville uh, with uh, Jamie and Rhonda in the coming days. So we look forward to that and um, other videos from the 2010 Superman celebration. But uh, if you plan to go, uh, 2011, they're already organising uh, and setting up things for that. So uh, obviously in the next few months, as the, as the month and the year goes on, we'll start hearing about plans for next year's Superman celebration. But it's definitely somewhere you have to visit as a Superman fan. It's uh, You won't be... Sorry, uh, you won't be disappointed. It's uh, it's one place you can go to and feel right at home and right at ease with uh, other Superman fans. It, it's pretty darn incredible. I mean, I, it, it was probably the best vacation slash working vacation I've had in my life. You know, it's I, it, it just to be surrounded by people who uh, enjoy Superman that much. Where where before, you know, you get a kind of a jaded, cynical populace, you know, who will wear a Superman T-shirt while saying, "I don't like Superman." Sometimes, and you get this place full of sincere people. In that respect, it's a lot of fun. Yep, definitely. Now, uh, the DC Universe Online MMO RPG video game. It has a release date of November 2nd, and you're thinking about maybe getting a Superman homepage uh, group together to uh, to play. Oh, no doubt. If I can afford it, I'm going to get on there, I'm going to get me a team going, and we'll uh, run instances or whatever their version of instances are. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really played a MMORPG before, but um, I've dabbled in a little bit of RP, like role-playing with uh, Second Life. I don't know if you've ever been in Second Life. And, yeah, uh, it's... That's, you know, pretty cool, and um, obviously this game looks, you know, uh, fantastic with the powers, and you can just set up your own character with its own, you know, power set, its own costume, your own... You can be a villain, you can be a hero, it's up to you, it's, uh, you know, and, you, and you're actually having an impact on this universe that, uh, you know, we, we've followed for so long. It's it's a cool concept. It kind of came out of the whole battlefield idea where someone pops on, you know, and you got a bunch of other people playing against you. But um, it's it's basically like a role playing game where you got other people around who can mess with you, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Definitely. As long as you know you get you pick the place where you want to be instead of the place where everyone can mess with you and you want to just be on your own or you know it's 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 kind of a strange social dichotomy. Yeah. Well, I think you can do your own type of. Uh you know, interactions with the DC universe without having to be a part of a team or anything like that. But then you can then 
go and join the Justice League or, you know, go and join the villains and, uh, you know, in a group uh, activity, so to speak, and uh, have an impact on the world um, of the DC Universe. You know, rob a bank, uh, break into Star Labs, uh, you know, help bring down Doomsday, whatever it might be, these these um, scenarios are out there for you to interact and have an impact on. Yeah, I can't wait to actually fight Doomsday in a game. It's been <laughs> God since what Return of Superman, yeah, which was like two ninety two. Ah, very good. So uh, that's the DC Universe Online video game released on November second to PCs and PlayStation Three consoles. So look for that uh, in November. Uh, in the real world, we've got a Superman musical going on at the moment uh, at the Dallas Theatre Centre, running from June 25th, uh, so it's already going at the moment, and runs to July 25th. And by all accounts, it's a pretty good uh, revisal. It's not a revival, so to speak, because they have revised the story and the songs uh, from the 1966 Broadway musical version uh, for this 2010 version. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, hopefully they'll release an album or something and we can check it out. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's quite an interesting story because they've uh, gone back with the original writers of the the musical songs uh, to uh, write a whole uh, you know uh, collection of new songs. There are some of the original ones, and they had actually planned to change Max Mencken into Lex Luthor and uh, you know some of the other characters that were in the 1966 version to the modern day versions of uh, of similar characters. But uh, DC kind of stood in the way of that because of copyright reasons and told them, look, stay, stick to the original uh, characters as they were written in the musical because that's what you've got the rights to and, um, you know, don't uh, mess with it too much. But all in all, it's supposedly from fans who have seen uh, early uh, uh, versions of it and uh, the, you know, early performances, um, it's quite an enjoyable thing. And don't judge it by the 1970s TV performance that was done uh, <laughs> because that is a total uh, excuse the word but bastardization of the original 1966 Broadway musical which was played straight where the 1970s t- made for TV version was really camped up and, and played you know almost like the Batman TV series rather than what the Broadway musical was on stage in 1966 like the Ed McMahon roast with the uh, Shazam and, and uh... yeah Solomon Grundy. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, ooh, chills. Yeah, so uh, the 1966 Broadway musical was uh, quite successful, and while it didn't run for very long, it was well-received by critics and fans alike. Um, I think it was the timing of it was what probably what did it in with uh, the 1960s Batman TV show, um, uh, probably making fans think it was one thing that it wasn't, and uh, the Superman Broadway musical was played for adults, played straight, and kids went along to see it and probably didn't really appreciate it the way it was intended to be uh, portrayed. Right. That happened, you know, it seems to happen with musicals sometimes, where it just goes off in that weird bend. Yep. But, um, so that's the Superman musical, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman at the Dallas Theatre Centre, uh, running now till July 25th, so if you're in the area, be sure and get along and see that. Now, the only thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that uh, the supermansuperstore.com online store has been revamped and redesigned. Uh, it's uh, a store that's affiliated closely with the Superman homepage, so um, if uh, you're interested in buying Superman merchandise of any kind, from T-shirts to towels to action figures to DVDs, uh, you name it, it's pretty much there, supermansuperstore.com. 
Not bad. I checked it out. Really cool new design, Steve. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. All right, what do we get? Last month. Yep. Right? What did we have last month? We had, uh, what did you think of season nine of Smallville? A question after my own heart. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, what did you think of season nine of Smallville? What did you like? What did you, what did you not like? And first up, we have a recording by Mikey B, who e- emailed in his audio response to this question. So let's hear, let's hear what Mikey had to say. Hi, Steve. Hi, Neil. Mikey B responded to this month's big question. Um, I got my Smallville season nine highlights in... in a countdown order here. I got my top five, and I'll count down from five. Number five was in the season finale, the um, the hint that maybe we're going to get some parademons. That sounds good. I, I'm, I'm excited for that for next season. So, uh, Number four, Perry White. It was great to have him back. Um, shame he couldn't be on more episodes. Maybe he'll show up at least for maybe the last couple episodes of, of season 10 for uh, just to kind of really wrap things up to where they should be. Um, number three, Clark receiving what appeared to be the Superman suit um, in the finale. Um, we've all been waiting a long time to, to see that. Um, we'd like to see him take the next step, though, and actually wear it. Uh, number two, Metallo. I hope they bring him back for season 10 because I thought that uh, his three episodes were three of the best episodes in the season. So hopefully we'll see some more of him in season 10. And number one, Superman. I count this as the second time we've seen Superman because the episode where we saw the cape, um, where the, the boy was able to see the future and he saw the cape kind of flying into the cosmos or whatever, um, that counted as the first time. So this was the second time, except it was much better this time. We got to actually got to see Superman in reflection of the globe uh, on the Daily Planet. But uh, that was just the, you know, that was great. It's been a long time since we've seen Superman um, on any screen, whether it be the big screen or um, the TV screen. So, um, so hopefully we'll get a little another, another little glimpse maybe at the end of season ten. So that's my top five for season nine. Uh, Thanks, guys, for doing the show. You guys do a great job. Thank you, Mikey. Who else do we have up next, Neil? Well, we got Calvin Bowes, who wrote, This season of Smallville really disgusted me, except for the Justice Society one in the final episode. My daughter's mother died on 9-11, so I can't believe that for the sake of entertainment that they would show Superman blowing up two towers. How can people live with that? Or how can people live with what they showed thinking that is this is entertaining? Shame on them. They could have po- they could have made Zod's power source anything, and Clark could have destroyed it in any way, but they chose Twin Towers in a town like New York. How can they live with the, they with what they wrote and produced? Shame on them all. You know, I, that's it's important to note, too. Like, it's not that, at least with me, I can't speak for Calvin, but at least with me, it's not so much that they've used the image of Twin Towers um, because I think that we have to examine what happened and we have to look at it and we have to understand it. But to use it callously and carelessly in a way that kind of makes Superman appear to be associated with it mm. was what really irked me. Yep. Well, uh, Starla Bose, who's Calvin's daughter, wrote, Last time was fun answering the big question, so I thought I would try again. My daddy only let me watch two shows of Smallville this year. I thought it was cool with the Justice Society guys and I liked the last show. It was rad when Clark got the package that you saw the Superman suit in his eyes. 
My daddy said that he didn't want me to watch the other episodes because of my mummy who died. He said I can see them when I'm older, but I really like the shows I saw this year. Well, thank you, Starla. Yeah, and I'm glad she's getting into Superman. That's really cool. Rick James. Yes, that's my real name, he writes. Wrote, I enjoyed the season, but as usual, it really didn't feel like a Superman show to me. I'm so sick of a 30-year-old Clark who not only hasn't worn the suit yet, but still hasn't even started wearing glasses more than once a season for 30 seconds. I think the makers of the show would find a much larger viewership if they stuck closer to the traditional story. I think the recent Marvel films have shown evidence of that. By the way, I love the podcast, guys. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you. Thanks, And, and hey, be fair, he's only 24 and not wearing the suit now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or not not flying yet yeah well uh hector writes i love what they did for season nine i love zod now more than he was when he was lex i think tess is a sexy mama what i didn't <laughs> like was the silver banshee it was the lamest one but other than that it was great can't wait for season 10 to start and i hope it will go out with a bang love the show guys keep up the great work can't wait to listen to you guys oh thank you hector i agree she is a sexy mama what uh, okay all right i'm gonna stop banshee right there or uh, tess <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, redheads. Mick, <laughs> Mick Byers wrote, I seem to be the only person who saw this or thinks that I saw this. When Chloe is directing Oliver through the ducks at the end, she pulls up a computer screen that appears to show Brother I mere moments before Oliver is sworn by a group of unknowns. As comic readers will recall, this was a tactic employed by Omax, who were controlled by Maxwell Lord. I highly doubt Smallville has either the resources or the brain power to pull off the fourth world. I don't know. <laughs> it yeah. didn't stop him from doing Doomsday, did it? <laughs> no, well, I don't know if it was Brother Eye. I mean, I know we've seen the JLA symbol in a different version that almost looks like an eye, so maybe yeah. that's what Mick saw. Yeah, well, it, it was... It, I think that's what... I saw that, too, and it's kind of shaped like an eye, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah, but it's the, the JLA well, like symbol, uh, JLA letters, but um, it's, yeah, almost in an eye-shaped uh, logo, so... Uh, Maybe that's what Mick saw, but uh, I'll have to look back and have a look at that Salvation and see if there is a Brother Eye logo there somewhere. Yeah. Guthrie McLean writes, My biggest priority in watching this season was to see the story arc wrap up into a satisfying conclusion, which the producers routinely lack. This season's finale was tightly wound and burst open into an authentic cliffhanger. How will he survive the fall? Pun intended. I loved the Zod and Kandorian arc and seeing Zod gradually become more evil. My only gripe is that they did not use the phrase Neil, N-E-A-L, before Zod. Closed Woo-hoo. captioning has a whole other storyline. <laughs> yeah, they got to put me before Zod and have him cut my head off, I tell you. Burn me in effigy. Hoi, hoi, hoi. The closest I ever came was having the... Uh... Having the dog almost named Bailey, and I don't even think that was, you know. <laughs> that could have been wishful thinking. Yeah, that was wishful thinking. That was me That was me projecting myself into importance right there. Not that I'll ever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What's, what's our new big question for this month? Let's see. This month we got, with the new creative teams coming on board the Superman comic books, will you be buying them? Yes. Uh, are you a lapsed reader who uh, maybe was waiting for the new Krypton storyline to be finished with and want to jump back on board? Are you somebody who's never bought the Superman comics before and think this might be a good time for you to start buying them? Uh, Don't be like Beal, Beal Neely. Buy the comics, kids. Yes. If you think that uh, you can have an answer to this question, will you be buying the Superman comics now that new creative teams have jumped on board? Be part of the big question by sending in an email with your answer to this question or you can do like Mikey B did and record your audio answer and send that in. Uh, so get involved with the big question by clicking on the button found at the Radio KL webpage 
and we will read out and play all the answers we receive in our next podcast. In the aftermath of battle. The cold. No. Uh, I'm not losing you. More so. Uh, south. Must head south. Hold on. Secrets are revealed. Um, well, when I was fighting with Vobo in the fortress, I, uh, I crashed into this, this room. Uh, I, I'd never seen it before. Then, um, it was, it was full of all kinds of gadgets and technology. What, what was all that? Answers are found in the oddest places. Ah, yes, yes. Oh, I see what you did there, you riotous man, you. Brilliant. Why, thank you, thank you. Oh, yes. Well, yes. You can understand this? Yes. Excellent. But, no. What? And a rampage makes strange bedfellows. I'm through playing games. I can kind of respect that. Oh, what's the world coming to? You've got to get her out of the city. The destruction mounts in Superman, the last son of Krypton, issue 66, on June 30th, 2010. Only at PendantAudio.com. Kara's got questions. Maybe you're one of the few people who would understand. Understand what? Everything. Everything, as in... As in what to do when you're trapped between being a superhero and being a regular person. But who's got the right answers? You can't let her get to you, Kara. <sighs> I know, but... Oh, she just doesn't let up. Even Tally was in on it. You two are like best buds, and that's how he repays you? Tally and I just... have some differences of opinion. Oh, you decided to join me this time, huh? You know what? I figured maybe this way you wouldn't give me another boring lecture. Don't miss Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 38. Coming June 30th at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Michael Bailey returns, so let's hear what uh, trade paperback he's reviewing for us in this month's Radio KL podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the segment here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to the bookcase here deep in the caverns of the Fortress of Bailey 2 to pick out a Superman trade, hardcover, or novel to discuss and tell you why you just gots to read it. This month, I am taking the novel approach again with a book I just finished yesterday. And boy, was it a good one. You see, a few years back, there was a line of original prose novels released under the DC Universe banner. This was after the Justice League of America series of novels was released, and several of those featured our favorite hero. The one I have chosen to talk about today is DC Universe Trail of Time, which was written by Jeff Marriott and released in 2007. I came across this book not in novel form, but after listening to the graphic audio version. Uh, if you're not familiar 
with graphic audio. I first came across them a few years back when I bought their version of Infinite Crisis. And what they do is really kind of simple. They take the book and read it, but instead of one person doing all of the work, which can be very awesome, as I found out with Scott Brick's reading of Tom DeHaven's It's Superman, which I, recommend, which I think I've recommended in the past and continue to recommend now, they have a narrator reading the, well, narration, and actors providing the voices for all of the characters. It's an adaptation to be sure, but an almost word-for-word adaptation of the books with music and sound effects and all that good stuff. And that is why I feel comfortable recommending both the book and the audio adaptation, because they're pretty much the same thing. The plot to this is rather clever. We open on a Clark Kent living in a world where he is married to Lois Lane, but the sun is red, he has no powers, and Metropolis is a city where there is no crime or supervillains or personal liberty. After a very tragic event, which hit me like a punch to the stomach, I'm going to fully admit to that right now, Clark is visited by the Phantom Stranger and Jason Blood, and it is here that we find out that the world that this Clark resides in is an alternate Earth, which was the result of a powerful spell cast by Felix Faust, Vandal Savage, and Mordru. Worse, both worlds are about to converge, and if Clark the Stranger and Jason Blood can't stop this, the real Earth will cease to be, and this twisted world will remain. Now that's cool all on its own. I mean, that's a great plot to have Superman have to deal with. Uh, Especially the moment where Superman finally appears, which was just awesome, especially the music. They have this uh, in the graphic audio world, because they've done a bunch of uh, books featuring Superman. They have this very specific musical cue that is extremely reminiscent of the Williams theme, so I like that a whole lot. But the thing about this book that I liked just as much as Superman's involvement is the fact that Marriott brings in a group of DC's Western characters to fight the good fight as well. So you have this whole section of the book setting up Jonah Hex and Batlash and El Diablo and Scalp Hunter, and, and Marriott gives you everything you need to know about these characters before we get the big team-up with all of those guys and Superman, the Phantom Stranger, and the Demon. This thing, this thing is just freaking awesome. I was completely and utterly engaged with the entire story. I have not been this excited about a DC Universe story in a long time. The ending is a little wonky, but everything leading up to that is just like complete and utter awesome sauce. Uh, I hate to use that term because it's become extremely overused in the last few years, but yeah, it is just slathered in awesome sauce. Marriott not only nails the Western characters, but he also gets Superman. Superman is put through the emotional ringer in this story, and we get to see how there are things that even the Man of Steel can't stop, even though he desperately wants to, and we get to see how that affects him, and I really liked that as well. Plus, you get to see Clark Kent. I really miss Clark Kent. I do. So I seriously recommend this novel, and I recommend that you head on over to Graphic Audio site and order the audiobook as well. The cast on this thing is fantastic, and I am sure that I will be listening to it again very, very soon. 
Well, that's it for this month. Come back next time when I will choose another Superman trade, hardcover, or novel to discuss. And don't forget to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast hosted by me and Jeffrey Taylor, where we go through every Superman comic from Man of Steel number one to Adventures of Superman number 649 one month at a time. Those usually drop on Thursdays. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you've got a suggestion for a trade paperback that you would like Michael to review, feel free to send Michael an email at michael at supermanhomepage.com, and he will endeavor to use your suggestion in a future show. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Superman Secret Soundbite. Come on, baby, won't you show me what you got there? It came from salvation. Whoa. Yeah, okay. Um... It's a song. Trust me. Somebody will know it. Someone, One of our listeners will know that song. All right. Well, uh, I think they'll be concentrating on trying to figure out what uh, <laughs> sound the uh, what episode this next sound comes from. But before we get into the next sound, you're right. Uh, last month's sound did come from the season nine finale, Salvation. And it's probably being the most recent episode, I thought we'd get more people uh, guessing what uh, guessing that the sound came from that episode, but we only had two people guess it right, and they were Brian Lee and Guthrie McLean. So congratulations to Brian and Guthrie for guessing the that the sound came from Salvation. Let's see if those guys and others can guess which episode of Smallville this new sound comes from. You ripped the roof off my car. If you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. Superman song time. Ah, not the song I was singing, I hope. Uh, Well, that depends. What song were you thinking of? Oh, no, like the song I sang for the the, uh, super secret soundbite, the one, you know, me and my bad singing that made... I I can't believe the radio studio is not crumbling in around us right now as we speak. Well, I've totally blocked that out. I don't even remember you singing that. I think I've tried to mentally uh, protect myself there. I I sung so badly that here it's summer (laughs) and there it's winter. (laughs) I got it straight. Woo! (laughs) Okay, now this, uh, this month we've got a song titled, funnily enough, Superman. And it's by Herbie Mann, who uh, released this song in 1978. It's a bit of a disco song. I don't know if he knew that the new Superman movie was coming out, but uh, he released a Superman song in 1978. So let's hear Superman by Herbie Mann. Superman. Superman. 
Well, there you have it. Superman by Herbie Mann. Hey, well, hmm. Disco-tastic. So that's the show for another month. Uh, remember, if you've got a suggestion for a topic that you would like Neil and I to discuss, if there was something that we didn't cover this month that you think that we should be talking about, let us know, and we'll try to use that in a future podcast. Is there a song you'd like us to play? Is there a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review? Is there a big question you'd like us to pose to the fandom? Well, you can send in all those suggestions using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can email myself at steve at supermanhomepage.com. And we will try to use our suggestions in next month or, or future month's shows. But for now, the show's over. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Steve. And as a sexy mama redhead told me once while I was searching for my son in the Phantom Zone, caveat emptor. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. Hey.